Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you have chosen to click play on this podcast. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope today's talk encourages you. Hey, Happy New Year to you all. Thank you very much. That's a nice response. That's good. Um, uh, My name's Steve. I'm so, so glad that you're here joining us for uh, the start of this series called Breathing Room. I don't know whether how you feel just in watching um, that kind of opening video, whether that reflects something of your experience in life when the jobs list kind of increases and gets uh, greater and greater, when the bills seem to go higher and higher as there's more stuff you have to purchase. And it can become quite a stressful time. And so I'm really, really glad that you're here because at the start of a year, it always gives us that opportunity to stop, to reflect, and to say, how is it that I want to live my life this coming year? And so you are here because, um, uh, and I'm so glad that you are, because all of us have the choice this year to be able to create breathing room. We have, and that's what we're going to be looking at over these next four weeks. Today's an introduction, and we're going to go into more detail over uh, the next three weeks um, after this. I am a dad. For those of you who don't know me, I'm a dad. I've got three children, Sam, who's 26, Alice, who's 24, and Rachel, who got engaged on Christmas Eve, which I'm delighted about. Um, uh, I know. Thank you. I'm getting rid of another one. Um, uh, uh, Is 23. She actually had her 23rd birthday on Christmas Day. And what's puzzled me over the years of seeing them grow up, how the heck can they be so different when they come from the same parents? It is just bizarre. Because if you were to take Sam, my oldest son, is he in here? No? Good, I can say what I like then. Um, uh, Sam, in growing up, was incredibly untidy. He would just take stuff out and leave stuff out. He would throw stuff around. And so if you were to get, trying to get into his bedroom, he often used to have the smallest room uh, in, uh, of, of the three bedrooms. And to try and get into his bedroom was such a problem to get the door open because there was so much stuff that was just hanging out of cupboards and drawers and there were cricket bats lying around and pads lying around. Uh, and um, uh, after a while, we managed to move him down into our converted garage. And we thought, more space, that would be much better. Nope, not at all. And so what we had to do to get to the back of our garage, which is where our freezer was, we had to force a pathway of just moving stuff so that we could get through to get things out from the other side uh, of his bedroom. So that was Sam in growing up. Alice, who's the middle daughter, was almost the opposite. Sam, when he earned some money, because all of them were encouraged to have jobs, when he earned money, he just spent it straight away. It was gone. He had no idea whether he had money or not. Just as soon as he got it, he would spend it. Alice had a little book, and she would record what came in and what went out and how she was going to spend it. She didn't learn that from me. And... um, uh, and, and she would get her clothes, she would fold them up, and she would put them in the drawers, and it was fairly neat and tidy. Uh, and Alice was just so the opposite to Sam. And then Rachel was kind of midway. Uh, and, and so she wasn't the tidiest, um, uh, she was the stubbornest. Uh, and so if she didn't want to put something away, she wouldn't, which is where we carried the mop around wherever she went, and we would stick it in front of the door, uh, and Alice, would, I'm sorry, Rachel would step over it and just carry on as if it wasn't there till it got to the end of the day. And we says, do you realise what we're doing? She says, yes, I don't want to put it away now. And that was, that was um, her method. Now, just out of those three, which one do you most identify with? 
Do you identify with Sam? Stuff everywhere. He has got better, by the way. It's called responsibility. He now lives in his own place with Johnny. No, actually, he hasn't got any better. No, not at all. Um, uh, do you identify more with Sam where you don't see the mess uh, around? You're just happy to um, uh, step over it and that kind of stuff. Are you more like Alice who makes the lists and has everything organised or are you more like Rachel? Uh, I wonder which one best reflects you. See, if you have a, take this picture. Now, you see, some of you will look at that and go, ah! no, you've got to clear that up. You've got to tidy that up. Others are saying, what? What's the problem? What's the problem? See, which one reflects your uh, wardrobe? You see, some just don't see it. They don't care. They can work in a state of mess and clutter because all of us are different. And do you know what? It's okay to have cupboards like that. It's okay to have cars where if someone wants to get into the back seat, it takes you a quarter of an hour to move all the stuff just to be able to create the space for someone to see here. Do you know what? That really, really doesn't matter. So if your wardrobe is like that, that is fine. That's, that's how you choose to live. I have to tidy up before I start work. I can't, I, uh, I just want to sort things out. I, I, that freaks me. So it's okay to have wardrobes like that. It's okay to have cars which are just jammed full of stuff. But what I've discovered is this, is that it's not okay for our lives to look like that. It's not okay for our schedules and our diaries to look like that, where there is just no room for movement. It goes from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, and there's no gaps, and you cram as much as you possibly can into every single day. And I will tell you why that, um, that is not good, why our lives should not be reflecting this kind of chaotic, overly full mess in just a moment. Because it's not okay also for our finances to be like this, where there's no room for error so that if the washing machine breaks, we have no cash to be able to buy a new one. And we find ourselves in an incredibly stressful situation. It's not even okay for our relationships to look like this, where, where life is so busy and we're chasing around after people and doing things. And especially as a parent, I just remember this so much, of wanting to get my kids to do as much as they wanted. And so we would find ourselves going off in different directions, Sarah and I, with different kids. And we would drop them off and we'd then have to wait an hour and then bring them back. And there was one day it got to, we had to meet in Stowe Upland to do the kids transfer as we were then having to take them off into other things as as well. And what it became about was doing activities rather than enjoying activities. And the problem is, is that with our lives, all of us want to get the best out of life. And so we chase after things and we say yes to things and we take extra responsibility on because we think that it will provide us with the life that we've always wanted. Living life this way, we can cope with for a while, but it has its downside. Just take a look at this picture. Ah, oh. see, that is a gorgeous picture, that is, isn't it? But you see, that is a picture with breathing room. You see, life is better with breathing room and with having space to breathe. And what I mean by breathing room is this. It is the space between our current pace and our limits. Every single one of us has limits. We have limits financially of how much money comes in. We have limits with regards to our time and the time that we can invest into relationships. 
And so breathing room is between what we're doing now and the limit. And our limits might be very, very different. Sarah will look at my diary and say, that's crazy, that's stupid. I could not live like you live. And that's fine because her limit will be different to mine. Your limit will be different to the person sitting next to you. But the truth is, is that all of us do have limits. And somewhere there is a breaking point. See, let me give you an example of what breathing room is. Okay, when I'm when, um, going through this list, um, yeah, it freaked me a little bit. The evidence of breathing room is arriving early. Okay, some of you need to hear that, okay? The evidence of breathing room is time between appointments. The evidence of breathing room is having some money left over at the end of the month. Another evidence of breathing room is when you hit an emotional bump, you've got the time to be able to handle it and to deal with it. Um, Evidence of breathing room is working hard but still having time for family and friends during the week. That's, That's evidence of breathing room. The opposite, what are the results of no breathing room? Well, it's this, stress levels go up. Tempers become much shorter because the pressure is on so much. You know, when you've allowed your 20 minutes to get to the next meeting or the next appointment, uh, and then there's a farmer (laughs) on a tractor going along incredibly slowly, 25, 30 miles an hour, in a 30 mile an hour speed limit. And you, you want, yeah, you know, don't you? And do you know how agitated you feel? It's because we've left no breathing room. And because there's no breathing room, we know we're going to be late, which means we're going to let someone else down, which just makes it so awkward for us. Can I just say that I am speaking to myself when doing all of this too? The other thing of the result of breathing room is this, is that we become really distracted. And so we're not present as we're worrying about what's coming up or the issues that are faced. And so that when we're with our family, we're not present. The third one is this, is that relationships do suffer. You know, when I'm going from one meeting to the next to the next and I get back um, uh, and Sarah's at home and I have the chance to talk with her, I don't want to talk with her because I just want to have space. And so what does that say to Sarah? says that work's much more important than she is. And it's not, and I hate that. But that's what happens when there is no breathing room. Relationships will always suffer. When the kids were growing up, um, and I used to be short-tempered with them, uh, I would often I just say to them, I'm really sorry, but daddy's really tired. And I remember going upstairs and telling one of the kids off, and uh, one of them just looked at me and says, are you tired, daddy? <laughs> it just shows, doesn't it? It just shows. That's what happens when we have no breathing room. And while it's true that some of this is, is put upon us by our employees or uh, employers or, or whatever, and it feels like it's out of control, so often, actually, it's down to your choice and my choice as to whether we have breathing room in our lives. Because why do we allow our lives to get so full? Well, one of the reasons is because is we want to live life to the full and we don't want to... Um, 
uh, miss out on things. So there can be a lack of discipline that we can't say no. That is my big issue. Whenever people ask for something, I always want to say yes because I want to please people. But it just chocks up the diary like I don't know what. It can be a busy season of life that there's just no breathing room because you've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And, and it's like you are constantly on the go all the time. So, so breathing room, sometimes it just happens to us, but sometimes it's our own decisions. And the reason, I think, for one of the biggest reasons why we have no breathing room, why we allow our lives to get so, so busy is because of this word here. It's because of fear, FOMO, fear of missing out, fear of missing out on fun, fear of missing out on every opportunity that comes. And so we always go for it, fear of missing out on the bargain. So we'll buy it now, even though we can't afford it. And we make those decisions because we fear we're going to miss out on something, miss out on something good on life. The second one is the fear of falling behind. I don't know if, you were, if any of you who were part of um, uh, The Forge last summer, we did a series called uh, The Comparison Trap and how there is something within us that always wants to compare ourselves to other people. And so we chase after what they have and we chase after being at the same position in life as they are. And so this fear of missing out and this fear of falling behind makes us keep on saying, yes, I'll take that promotion. Yes, I will do that. Yes, I have to buy that. And it's this drive because we don't want to miss out and we don't want to fall behind. And also, deeper than that, there is this fear of not mattering. That if I say no, I'm not going to be as significant because my significance is based on what I do and how much I do. And this is a really, really big one. The fear of not mattering, of not having significance. The fear, our fear of not mattering much, has the potential to draw us away from what matters the most. It's why our family life suffers so often. Because we think we've got to be out there doing the stuff out there. The fear of not mattering much has the potential to draw us away from what matters the most. I want to uh, say, this is an introduction, but this, there is such good news for you and I as we head into 2020. Because breathing room is achievable. Breathing room's achievable with our diary, with our finances, and in our relationships. And I know that because, surprisingly, God has something to say about all of those areas. We are taking, in January, we're taking this different look of life and of how God sees life and sees our life. And God has something to say about how we can live our lives differently. Lives which have breathing room. The Bible never mentions that term. It doesn't mention you have to have margin or, or breathing room. But it's part of God's design for your life and for mine. And so if we were to go back thousands of years, there was a group of people, they were called the Israelites, and they had been held in slavery for 400 years um, uh, in a place called Egypt. 
Uh, And these were God's chosen people. And after 400 years, God was calling them out from slavery. He rescued them. And he was setting up this new nation, this new, new country called the people of Israel. And they had had 400 years of one way of thinking. And that one way of thinking is is that our value comes from what we do. They were slaves. And so if you were ill, you were not valued. You were discarded. You might even be killed. If you couldn't work, then um, you had no value to the Egyptians. So this goes back, what, 10 generations probably in 400 years And so people had grown up, had been born and grown up, and they'd seen with their parents and their grandparents and then their own lives that it was about work, 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 24 um, hours, every day of the week and of the year. And God sets them free. And because he wants to change their mindset, because he wants to get them to think differently, he brings about some rules or some laws that will help to shape a new way of thinking. There are over 600 of those rules in setting up this new country. We often recognize 10 as being the 10 commandments. And 10, of the 10 commandments, the fourth one is all about God giving people breathing room. It was known as the Sabbath of God commanding a day off. This is what he said. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Now we read that. uh, That just doesn't particularly mean anything because our culture, our, our work ethic is that how many days do we normally work? Well, normally it's five Uh, Sometimes at a push, it will be six, unless you're on a 10-day kind of uh, rotor. Uh, And if that's the case, you would do your 10 days work, that shift, and then you would have three or four days off, and then you would go in. We're used to having breaks. For the people of Israel, they had no experience of having breaks. And so this rule was radical. Because for them, if you didn't work, you didn't eat. And if you didn't work, you weren't valued. And if you didn't work, you didn't get anything done. And so God brought this in to change their mindset and to bring about a shift as to how they were to live their lives. And so to choose to do this, to trust God on this was incredibly tough for them. Just as it is actually really tough for us to choose to take a break every week to have a day where you don't work, where you don't check your emails, where you don't reply to those texts, where you don't try and catch up on work for the next week. If if you're in work, you will know this. If you're a boss, you will know this even more uh, because of the need to try and stay ahead within your company. If you're self-employed, you will know this because you have to keep on working to try and keep ahead um, financially. And so by the time that Jesus came along, the arguments that had gone on as to what does it mean to have a day off? Well, all the religious leaders would gather together and they would debate this and they would say, well, you know, if you're walking more than a thousand meters, that's probably called work. So let's put that. And so they would literally write more and more laws to try and define what you could and you couldn't do so that you didn't break this command. And it became ridiculous. So when Jesus came, Jesus spoke to those um, leaders and he said this, 
The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus is saying, this is God's gift to you to have a breather, to have rest, to take time to replenish, to um, recoup, to, to have fun, to do good stuff. Do you know what? In the seasons of my life where I've done this, uh, my life has benefited so much because I have been able to relax and recuperate and feel more joyful and play golf more and, and, uh, uh, and have greater peace. It's true. It's true. And when I haven't, the stress levels have always overtaken me. I remember I could see uh, my Auntie Jill just sitting across over there. I remember going around to see her at one time. Uh, and I just remember saying, I can't open my diary. Because if I open my diary, I see everything that I have to do and it's freaking me out. Why? Because there was no breathing room. So God's gift to us, this is how God has designed us, is that every week we are to create space to be able to breathe. It is such an amazing gift. And then God does something even more. Not part of the Ten Commandments. He brings in another law. And it's about creating space, breathing room, to be generous. There was this thing called the law of gleaning. Now, lots of these people were farmers. Uh, and uh, so they would own their bit of land and they would uh, grow stuff on it and they would obviously have to harvest it. And God had something to say about harvesting. This is what he said. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and don't pick up what the harvesters drop. And it's the same with your grape crop. Don't strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and don't pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I'm the Lord your God. In other words, he's saying you don't have to max out on everything that you do. Create margin, create breathing room so that others can benefit. And for the Israelites, that must have been, hey, but, but what if it's a poor harvest? God says, oh, it's okay, you can trust me. And they were saying, but what? But, 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 but that's not working hard. And God says, no, it's all right. Just, just trust me. Do you see that last little line on there? I bet none of you saw it. <laughs> none of you saw it because we were thinking about, you know, not going to the edges and all of that. And God suddenly just says at the bottom, I am the Lord your God. And the reason he says that is because this is difficult, but trust me, but trust me. He goes on to say this. He says, when you're harvesting your crops and forget to, uh, to bring in a, a bundle of grain from your fields, don't go back to get it. Leave it for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. And then the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. So those Israelites must have thought, so if we don't do all that we can do, are you going to multiply the work that we did do? And God says, yeah, then the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. One of the reasons why we have no breathing room is because we never know when to stop. We will keep going at a job, and because especially for perfectionists, this is incredibly difficult because you want to keep getting it better and it better and better, and you invest more time, and it takes longer and longer and longer. And God says, actually, it's not to be lazy, but you haven't got to go to that length. Do what needs to be done, and then leave the rest. And what will God do? 
God says, first of all, trust me, and he will bless us. Think about that for your work. Think about that for how you do jobs around the house. What would that mean to create breathing rooms so that you can be generous to others? Breathing room, as it's put up here, is a trust issue. It really is. God calls us to trust him, to create breathing room in our rhythm of life and our finances because he knows that what's at stake is our peace and we think progress is at stake. But actually, peace is much more important than progress. Peace is what allows us to be able to enjoy life and get the best out of life when we can experience that peace. And living to the max is just unsustainable. And it results in this. It results in stress-related health issues, relational breakdowns, emotional breakdowns. And come on, who wants to choose some of those for your New Year's resolutions? Of course we don't. Breathing room is a trust issue. If God says this is what he calls us to do, this is the best way to live, we have to trust him with it. It's tough. It's tough. The second thing is, is that breathing room is also a generosity issue. When we create margin in our lives, we create space to be generous. I have a friend called Dan. In fact, band, would you mind just um, coming up to, uh, to get ready as we sing our last song? I have a friend called Dan Wasp, who some of you will know, he spoke here on the 8th. And Dan, um, uh, we met on New Year's Eve just to have breakfast together. I had such a brilliant time with that man because he did my soul good. Because what he did is what lots of people, including myself at times, can't do. Have you ever tried to talk to someone in a rush? When they're in a rush, how well do they listen? It's rubbish, isn't it? Because you can tell from their body language that they want to keep getting going. So they're being polite. They are looking at you at times, but they'll also glance at their phone or glance at the And you kind of know that they're not really taking it in. I'll tell you, sitting opposite Dan and having our breakfast together as we both shared stuff about our lives, it was just soul building. It was because I had his full attention. He listened. He asked questions. He didn't try to run the conversation on quickly. And I benefited so much. He was so generous to me. And that's the benefit of breathing room. It allows time to give people attention. Do you know what? In our attempts to get the most out of life, because all of us want to do that, in our attempts to get the most out of life, we run the risk of losing control of our lives. And who wants to go into 2020 knowing that your life is going to get out of control again. So I want you to come back next week and the week after and the week after that because God has got something so important to say to us which can transform our lives for this next coming year and beyond if we look to put into practice what he says. Next week we're going to be looking at time and at diaries and of how we invest our time. So do come back. Do come back next week. Because I believe God has got something so important to say to each one of us. And if you know of someone who lives a busy life, invite them to come along too. And help them to be part of this journey of discovering breathing room. Thanks.
That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so please check us out on social media at Forge Church and check out our website, forgechurch.com, where you can give financially, watch new content and see any details of events we have going on here at The Forge. See you next week.